We are in a series on greater faith. What I want to share with you this morning is that the opposition to having greater faith is a hardened heart. And uh, we need to understand that God wants to expand us. How, ma- how, how many of you like bread? Anybody here like bread? How many of you like Italian bread? I like Italian bread with that crust, that hard crust on it, right? It just tears your gums apart, doesn't it? But it's soft on the inside. It's Oh, there's nothing like Italian bread. I love Italian bread. But we can get hard and crusty. And when we get hard and crusty, we can't expand. We can't enlarge. And God uses the miracles of the loaves and bread in the Gospel of Mark to continually check on the disciples' heart condition. Uh, let me prove it to you. Let, let me help you understand this. Uh, turn to Mark chapter 6. Many of you know this story. Uh, there was a storm. Uh, Jesus calmed the seas and the waters. Uh, he had been done a, doing a number of healings and deliverances. The disciples were pretty amazed at this Jesus. And uh, Jesus is now going to introduce another aspect of who he is. And in verse uh, 30, Jesus feeds the 5,000. It says that they were gathered together after they had crossed that, that stormy sea. And Jesus uh, told the people all that they had done. He said, come away. And they went away. And then he went to a desolate place. But many people came. And in verse 37, Jesus says, hey, fellas, give them something to eat. And they're going like, what are you kidding? We're out in the desert here. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We don't have any food. And he says, well, go check what you got. Go check your resources, right? So they went to see their resources, and in finding their resources, they found, what, three loaves, two fishes, right? And, and so they bring him back and bring a little kid and said, hey, we took his lunch. Uh, this is all we got. And so according to the disciples, their resources were quite limited. But when you bring your limited resources to Jesus, what can happen? Right? So Jesus raises up the bread, and he speaks of multiplying. He blesses the bread to the Father, and he begins to hand it out to the disciples. He has them sit in groups of hundreds and fifties. Now, this isn't just an instant thing. It takes a little bit. There's 5,000 men, he says specifically. So most men have women with them and possibly children. We're we're looking at potentially 10,000 here. Right? A crowd of 10,000, and he's telling the disciples, have them sit in clumps of 50s and 100. You imagine the large field that this is taking place in. And he's saying, now pass the bread out. Now, there's only 12 people who understand what the resource is and how much they have. Everybody else thinks there's a a banqueting uh, gourmet truck that pulled up and is supplying all this food. And they begin to go out and, and... they have to begin going from the first row to the 10,000th person and all those rows back and spreading it out. And as they're going, it just keeps multiplying. And it isn't like, okay, okay, no, no, take a smaller piece. You get a tail and a little crumb, that's it. No, they were as much as they could and, and, and they were full. And it says that everyone was what? Satisfied. Come on. That's what Jesus will do 
He will satisfy you and fill you up. So, tremendous story. Great story. Read it. Take the time and go through it. And then when they're done, guess how many baskets they collect? Twelve. Twelve baskets. One for each of the disciples to have. And so they come back and they're amazed. And, and it's a tremendous thing. But now, look at the, the party's over and the thing's done. And in verse 44, it says this. Uh, well, start at 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. The fish didn't even run out. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Now, you go on, verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go uh, before him to the other side to Bethsaida. So he feeds 5,000. Then he says, fellas, it's been great. Get in the boat. Go to the other side to Bethsaida. I'm staying here. I'm going to pray. So they go out, and uh, how many of you know a storm kicks up? It begins to create a real problem. Now, the last time this happened, Jesus was in the boat, and he calmed the wind and the storms. This time, Jesus isn't with him, but they just experienced the incredible, miraculous multiplying of the loaves and fishes. So a storm comes up, and in the middle of the night, it says in the night watch, it's somewhere between 3 and 6 p.m., probably about 4 a.m., this thing's storming and busting. They're scared to death. These are experienced fishermen, but yet this storm is too much for them. They're screaming, they're yelling, and all of a sudden it says that Jesus is walking by them. And it says he wasn't going to stop. I think that's the funniest part of it all. Dude, boys, <laughs> ah, get in the boat, Jesus. Help us, help us. <laughs> verse 44, it goes on. And in, and he, and in verse uh, uh, 48, it says, And he saw that they were making headway painfully. The wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by. But when he saw... When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind stopped. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. What? What? Why, why am I talking about bread? Why am I talking about the feeding of the 5,000 in the middle of a storm on the lake when it's 4 in the morning? Do you see the connection of what Mark is trying to say? Is that they didn't understand what took place with the feeding of the 5,000 that should have gotten them to handle the storm they were in. You with me? And so he, he says they did not understand about the loaves. So there was something they were supposed to learn from being involved with Jesus to multiply loaves and fishes. Now, you've got to understand something. Multiply loaves, bread, and fish is, is a, an act of miraculous power over nature. To multiply atoms and, and the, the, the stuff, I don't know the scientific term, uh, stuff that bread and fish are made out of. 
Don't mind my mic, it's broken. And so to multiply it, and, and this is a powerful, powerful uh, miracle that they got to be involved with. Jesus didn't do it all. Jesus gave it to them for them to be engaged in the miraculous power of the kingdom. And in the next event and in the next crisis, they should have had a faith and an understanding of who Jesus is to handle the situation, but they did not, and he says they had a hardened heart. A hardened heart. In other words, this heart stayed the size that it was. It wasn't expanding. Now, we get very critical of the disciples. Come on. But how many of us got through some kind of a situation because of the power of God, but when the next problem came along, our capacity to trust and to believe was hardened, and we couldn't expand what God was doing? This is the very thing that Pharaoh had a problem with. When God would show another miraculous sign as to his people Israel being greater than the gods of Egypt, it says Pharaoh's heart was hardened. What that means is his heart would not bow to the authority of Yahweh. He couldn't expand his belief system to think that Israel's God was greater than the Egyptian gods even though every plague destroyed a god of Egypt. Amazing. And so we go on. Mark is using this. And he goes on in Mark chapter 8. Let's go on. See, there's, there's in 7, he, he prays for a deaf man, the Syrophoenician woman who wanted bread from the master's table. He says, no, that's, we don't feed that to dogs. This is just for the children of Israel. He said, she said, I'll take the crumbs. He's going, now that's faith. This lady's awesome. He heals a deaf man. He goes on. And then in chapter 8, he feeds how many now? 4,000. So now he's going to feed 4,000. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and he said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and I have nothing to eat. Can you imagine that? In other words, their lunch money ran out. They probably bought, brought a little picnic or this or that, but it's three days now. These folks haven't eaten. And now you've got an angry, hungry crowd. And uh, they have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they'll faint on the way, and some of them have to come from afar away. And his disciples answered him, How can we feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? Were you at the last seminar on, on, with large crowds? Did you not get this? But again, how many times have we? I'll, I'll put it on me. How many times have I been through something and then another crisis comes up and I'm wondering where God is? Where is the capacity of my faith? We want greater faith, but our hearts are hardened. We can't expand past that. And Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? He's always asking you to check your inventory, to check what your resources are. Maybe you should go to a promise of God in Scripture. Maybe you should pray. Well, we have seven loaves. That's more than you had last time. And he directed them to sit the crowd on the ground. He took the seven loaves and giving them, he gave thanks 
And he gave them to disciples to set them before the people, and they went out before the crowd. And they had, by the way, a few small fish too. He blessed that, and he went out for the crowd, and they were eat, they ate, and they were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces, and there were seven baskets full, representing the seven loaves that they had previously had. This is wonderful. And immediately he got up in the boat with his disciples and went to the next district. Now, that sounds good. Maybe they learned this time. And so he's going on and he begins to teach them about hardened hearts. And so as they're in the boat, it says the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven. And he sighed deeply. He says, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Verse 14, now they had forgotten to bring bread. They only had one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And then they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. (coughs) And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, don't you see? Having ears, don't you hear? And don't you remember? I broke the five loaves for the 5,000. And how many baskets of broken pieces did you take up? Ah, 12. Yes! And now I broke seven loaves up for the 4,000. How many baskets did you take up? Ah, seven. Don't you understand anything? Now, maybe he didn't say it like that. (coughs) But I'm thinking, you dunderheads, you just came away feeding 4,000. Jesus is trying to teach an illustration about the leaven of the Pharisees who are filled with hardened and will not receive the Lord. And they're going, oh, shoot, we only brought one loaf of bread. He's trying to teach, and they're going, I thought you were supposed to bring the bed. There were seven baskets full. Well, I only brought one loaf. I got mine. Where's yours? Well, how are we going to do? Well, let's do the math. Let's see. Seven loaves times 4,000. One loaf to 12. Hmm. And they're arguing. Don't you understand? Now, this is what the question is begging. Understand what? Specifically. What are we supposed to understand? Let's think about it. Maybe with Jesus, all things are possible. Maybe in the kingdom, when the king is in authority, ruling and reigning in your boat, on your shore, in your country, you never lack. But by faith, he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Maybe by your faith you could multiply the little that you have to suffice for what is needed at that moment and at time because your resource is Jesus. They're not getting it because they have hardened hearts. They're not getting it. Oh, we're not done. Mark 15, we move on, and Jesus begins to reveal 
this time picking up the bread from the Passover meal. And as he picks it up, he says, this bread is my body. Now, Mark doesn't go into it, but John did. John said he is the living manna that comes down from the Father. Jesus tells the crowd, unless you eat my body and drink my, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. So what he's saying is in this multiplying, in this faith, and in all that they need to understand is who Jesus is. And miraculously, after he's talking to them in chapter 8 going into 9, finally Peter says... When he says, who do you think I am? Peter says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Okay. You're beginning to understand. Now, let me expand on what you figured out that I am the Messiah. But you have a wrong understanding of what the Messiah is. So let me now at this point in the Gospel of Mark, it shifts into a revelation that Jesus now begins to discuss how the Messiah must suffer and die for the sins of man. And so right after Peter's confession of really grasping it, getting it, the loaves, the fish, the multiplying, you're the Messiah! (laughs) I got it! He says, you didn't figure that out on your own, Pete. I've been with you this long, I know, but the Father revealed that to you. Now let me help you expand your capacity of understanding and expand your capacity of faith. The Messiah will go into Jerusalem, he will be beaten and scourged, he will die, but on the third day he will rise again. Peter says, no, that ain't going to happen. You are not, that is not, I'm not going to let that, that is not going to happen. And Jesus says... Find me Satan. He had a hardened heart. In other words, his heart could not expand to the next level of faith necessary to understand all that Jesus is. Jesus at the Last Supper tries to help him understand again, this is my body broken for you. Three times Jesus explains his death, and three times it says they don't understand it. In fact, after he says that to be a follower of mine, you must pick up your cross daily. You must die to self to serve others. On the heels of that, they're arguing who's the best, who's the greatest. Wow, you do not understand the breaking of this bread. Last of all, Mark 16, the resurrection takes place in Mark 16, verse 14. It says this, Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he was risen. This theme carries all the way to the end of the Gospel of Mark, even after the resurrection. Now we say, those disciples were stupid. And I say, I don't think they're very different from us. But if you can see this theme running throughout the Gospel of Mark, it is a challenge to them, and the continual 
thing that Jesus points out is a hardness of heart because of unbelief. They wouldn't believe, they wouldn't believe, they wouldn't believe. The women run from the tomb and tell them he is risen. Peter and John run there, they don't believe it. They've got to go there to see. Thomas, he doesn't believe it. And, and this indicates in Mark 16 that once they first, all together, once they first got that initial declaration from the women, they didn't believe it. So Jesus has to rebuke them again because they do not believe. Now, let's understand something of, of what this means, this hardness of heart. You see, they were not blinded by sin. This isn't a sin issue. See, when we use the term, they have a hard heart, we go, oh, they have a hard heart. They're, they're backslidden. They're involved in some kind of sin, some kind of an addiction. Something's blocking them on understanding. The disciples weren't blocked by sin. Uh, it wasn't because they weren't seeing these things. Were they seeing the loaves? They were involved in the loaves and the fishes being multiplied. Did they see a risen Savior? Did they see the evidence? Did they hand out the fish? Did they hand out the loaves? Did they see Jesus walking on the water? Did they know Jesus was in the boat? It wasn't because they didn't see it. It wasn't because they didn't uh, grasp it. The hardness of heart means this. Their heart would not expand to the next level of glory that Jesus was trying to reveal to them. We can be saved. We can be filled with the Spirit. We could have preached. We could have had great revivals in our past. But if you're not ready for the next thing that God wants to do to challenge you in your faith, you have a hardened heart. You getting this? Now, I'm preaching to me. Because what I find in myself, when God is calling me to a next level, the first thing I'm doing is, where's God in all this? Where is he? I thought he wanted me to do something, but he's not showing up. My heart is not expanding to the next level of glory. It says with an ever-increasing glory, we shall be changed to the image of Christ. But most of us are not being changed because our hearts are hard to take the next level that God's bringing you through. And many times to get you to another level, your heart has to be challenged in its faith. We want the faith first. But God has to bring a challenge to exercise your faith to believe for the next capacity. They didn't understand he was the Messiah, so we fed 5,000 with some four loaves and a couple fish. And then they still didn't get it. So they went through a storm, and he's walking on the water over to them. They still don't get it, and he says, you didn't understand the bread. Because he, he was revealing to them the greater majesty of Christ. Look at the number one excuse people are leaving the church for and, and walking away from their faith and their prodigals is because they're mad at God because God didn't do what they wanted him to do. <coughs> That's a hardened heart because they didn't have the ability to expand their faith past their perception of what God should do. You and I continually limit God by our perception and knowledge of him. Oh, they knew Jesus. They understood Jesus. They saw Jesus. He's a wonderful guy. But they didn't understand the full capacity of his power over nature. And he had to stretch it. He said, you got a hard heart. 
You're doubting and you believe. Now, please understand that this messes up with people's theology because they say, well, if you don't have enough faith, God's not going to act. God's not going to do it because if you don't have faith, he won't exercise. Look at every time he called them out and said, you have a lack of faith and a hard heart, did he still do the work for them? Absolutely. He was not rejecting them. What he was doing was challenging them. And so, brothers and sisters, we have hardened hearts. Would somebody agree with me today? Does anybody, right? And all that means is we have a limitation to the capacity of what God is calling us to. He taught him how many times about the resurrection. He's going to die. He's going to rise from the dead. He told Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me. I'll never deny you. Turns out you denied him. So if you did that, he told you you would. How about if he rises from the dead? You think that's going to happen? Nope. Ah! But how many times is Jesus doing that with us? I am telling you, everyone in this room, God is challenging you so that your heart will become malleable and will expand to a new level of faith that he is calling you to. And so when I say that we have a hardened heart, I'm just prepping us for the next level God wants us to. Soften that heart. Let's get that heart moved. Because what we do is we put God in a box. I've got God all figured out. I know exactly. You sit over there. God, you're here in my life. Jesus is this way. I, I know because I read the Bible once. And I've read a couple Gospels, maybe even twice. And I read the latest books by Dr. So-and-so, and and I watched seven YouTubes on this. I got this Jesus thing down. How dare us? The gall that we would have. And and for us to criticize God, I'm talking to me now, so I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'll hurt mine. They've been hurt enough this week. God's been trampling all over me. But how dare I criticize God for the way he responded to my request? How many of you know somebody that's walked away from the faith because they're mad at God? It's a hard heart. But see, we say it's a hard heart because they're, oh, they just prefer sin over something else. What it is is they couldn't expand beyond their perception of God. He's not done with them yet. This is the good thing about God. All those people out there that have walked away with a hard heart, oh, he's challenging them. He's not done with them. See, they have got to get to a place where they get God out of the box. And this is what God was doing with the disciples. It wasn't until he poured his spirit into them. Till on the day of Pentecost when the spirit came out, Everything broke loose, and they begin to praise and worship. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. So my question to you, my brothers and sisters, is your Jesus big enough? Is he right enough? Is he just enough? Or is, is he 
missing your perceptions of what he should be. You see, the disciples wanted a military leader to set Israel free from Rome, and they couldn't understand that Jesus was coming to set every human heart free from the satanic bondage man is under. It's too small of a concept. Man was holding too small of a concept. And God has this grand, unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or could even, what? Imagine. And what I'm saying is this morning for a greater faith, God wants everyone here to have a greater faith. And by doing that, he's going to challenge your hardened heart. The areas of your heart that are not expanding to take in, quite possibly that God didn't answer your prayer because he's got something higher and greater beyond what you could ask or even think of that he is at work doing. Because out of his grace and out of his goodness and out of his sovereignty and out of his providential purposes, he's doing something that's going to go beyond this answer to another generation and generation and establish it beyond the nations to accomplish his kingdom purposes beyond what you could ask. But our hearts are too hard and we walk away from them and we're still scared of our situation and we're afraid of every little thing. Our hearts are too hard. And it's coming the days when Jesus is going to call on you and say, take this small thing and multiply it to the nations. And it's just saying to Christ Community Church, take what you know now and expand it. Take it to your neighborhood. Take it to your job. Take it to the streets and do what I'm telling you to do. I want you to lay hands on the sick and I want you to pray for them. I want you to go to those who are poor and I want you to give them finance. I want you to go to the attic and I want you to pray and work with him till he's set free. But Lord, I can't. He said, you've got a hard heart. And then he'll say, just do it. Right? And you know what we're going to do? We're going to do it. Who's with me on this? We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm so sick, and I'll close with this. I'm so sick of Christianity and the modern doctrines of faith that keep telling you when you fail, God's done with you. Didn't have enough faith, can't answer that prayer. Didn't have enough faith, can't use you. Where do you get that from? It's not in the scripture. Every lack of faith Jesus met and then used them and grew them to do it further. Every mistake and sin they made, he raised them back up and put them back to work. Yeah, Peter denied Jesus, then Jesus restored him. So this crazy stuff, well, if I fail God, I can't be used. No, he's expanding your hardened heart to increase the capacity of what he can do and what he can do with you. Are you getting this? So, Father, I pray. Now, look at I, I got one doubting person. There's a doubting person here. They're going, yeah, but what about in his hometown when he couldn't do anything because none of them believed in him and he could work no great miracles? I heard that. <laughs> Let me help you understand that. 
the lack of faith from that town of Nazareth, that town where Jesus was from, and that they didn't believe in who he was, he's just a carpenter's son, did not limit for a second the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus didn't do what he wanted to do. He did everything the Father told him to do. He said, every work I have completed, I did because I saw my Father doing it. So Jesus wasn't hindered because of a lack of belief in his hometown. Jesus didn't heal anyone because they didn't recognize his authority. And the Father said, nah, you don't recognize my son? Jesus, don't do anything in that town. That's the issue. Not because he was hindered by a lack of faith. Your lack of faith will not hinder the move of God. God will do what he wants to do with four loaves and three fishes, seven loaves, one loaf in a boat, and 12 dunderheads. He'll get the job done. And ultimately, even rebuking them in a resurrected body, he says, I'm still turning the kingdom over to you. That's what he's doing with us. Stand with me this morning in Jesus' name.